a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start today. I am in the studio with a very good friend of mine, Spring Hunter from the Conway Ministry Center. And Spring actually came in a few weeks ago when we recorded a couple of programs and there was a glitch. There was just some kind of little glitch with the board and we lost the shows. And so today we're coming back and we're saying we are so excited about what God has in store because what a beautiful picture of life, Spring. Sometimes the first run doesn't work, so we get a second chance. So welcome to Truth on the Go with Andrea Lennon. Well, thanks for having me back. And, you know, I've just prayed since we talked and we found out that we lost the original program that we recorded. I'm like, God, just show me, was there something that I was supposed to share that I didn't share or something that I should have elaborated more on that really needed to speak to somebody's heart today? I'm so expectant. I'm so excited. I woke up this morning just absolutely excited to see the Lord's plan unfold. And, you know, it's a picture of us just being on the adventure with him. He is in control and we can trust him. And even on the days when there's some maybe disappointment or an unexpected turn, we can always know that we are following hard after him. And that's always the best pursuit in our life. So I love your story. I get to hear it again, which I'm so very excited about this story for everyone that is listening. You need to just buckle up right now. You need to just get ready because this is a powerful story of redemption. It's a powerful story of God's grace. It is a story of transformation and it is a picture of God's relentless pursuit after his own. And so spring, I'm like, where do we start? Like, I think we have to go back to the very beginning Mm -hmm. to your childhood and paint a picture of what life was like for you. Yeah, so I'm always excited to come and share my testimony because um, it just really is the story, I think, of how the gospel unfolds in, you know, I mean, we all have a gospel story for those of us that belong to Jesus, but um, I'm just excited to share mine. And I always appreciate the opportunity because I feel like there are just little nuggets of truth that can speak to people and, you know, and hopefully call people out of dark places and, and, you know, encourage and affirm. Um, So yeah, I will start at the beginning. Um, Basically, I was born into a family that belonged to a religious cult. And, and I always point that out because that was my first initial um, introduction to religion and there were nuggets of Christianity in that religion and there were um, elements of maybe like Judaism and different things but it was just a very strict religion that we were a part of you know don't ever really remember hearing a whole lot of like the gospel and salvation and redemption but more just rules and strict adherence to certain things that weren't necessarily scriptural but that was the life that we were born into and that was here in Arkansas that was here in Arkansas so like we need to make sure that everyone realizes that's in the Bible belt that's alive and well right here and you also were born into poverty Yes, we were very, very poor, Um, just generational poverty and generational addiction and relationship issues and domestic violence kind of coming down from both sides of my family. And I honestly feel like that's probably what drove my parents kind of into this really strict religious cult to begin with is just their backstories. And so, yeah, I was I was born into that. Um, By the time I was six years old, my father um, had gotten heavily into addiction. He was an alcoholic. He had begun to use meth and and gotten into the drug side of things. 
my parents' relationship was just kind of thrown into mass turmoil. So my parents divorced at the age of six. And, you know, just that um, dichotomy of being a part of a strict religious cult and also just addiction and divorce and all of that. So they were kicked out of that, which really like threw my father into just deep spiraling addiction. Like things got worse from there for him. And it really threw my mom into just deep depression and even even more poverty as a single mom with four kids trying to raise that. And so that just launched us into the next level of chaos. And so early, early on in my childhood, we we moved constantly, didn't really have a relationship with my dad after that. The little bit that I did see him, it was just constantly, you know, under the influence of some kind of, you know, a drug or alcohol. And we, we were sometimes homeless. We sometimes lived in tents or cars. There were just men and boyfriends and stepdads and just all the chaos that, that comes with that lifestyle. Let me ask you, what is it like to be homeless or to live in a car or to have that kind of unrest in your life as a child? You know, I um, just continue to see how resilient children are. If you would have asked me at that point in my life if we were homeless, I would have said no, because we were going somewhere. We were headed to the next best thing. And my mom was just amazing at like projecting, whether she believed it or not, just projecting that there was this thing waiting on us, that when we got where we were going, if we made it to the Oregon coast, if we got to Montana, if we, you know, got where we were going, something better was there waiting on us. And so, you know, it was always chaos and we never really knew, you know, what school district we were going to be in or what our housing situation was going to be like. But we always just believed that we were going somewhere and that there was a plan. And I do think that that is the heart of God within us to believe that there is hope and that there is a bright future, a better future. You know, you had a long journey to get there and we're going to hear about that. But even as a young child, God was maybe giving you a picture of normalcy in the midst of chaos. Is Mm -hmm. that fair? Or, you know, I just think that there was just hope there. You know, I don't I don't necessarily know that it came from any circumstantial evidence, you know, that there actually was hope. But I think that there just was hope that there was something better out there. But I will say that things actually got worse before they got better. Um, We came back to Arkansas um, when I was about 10, I would say about 10 years old. And that was probably some of the deepest poverty that we lived in. We just lived in a house that did not have like drinkable water or regular water. I mean, it was a place that honestly, it burnt down right after we moved out of that house. I mean, it just was not a good situation to be in. And I'm not really sure what happened. I asked my mom several times. She never was willing to share that with me. And and she's passed now. So I'll never know, I guess. But some kind of event happened with my mom. And she she came in one one day and just said, you guys are going to have to go live with your dad, who I had no relationship with. And he actually lived in a drug and alcohol rehab in North Little Rock at the time. And so um, we just loaded up what we had. There were um, three of us at home at the time. And we loaded up what we had. And we got dropped off in a parking lot of a rehab and she shared with my dad that either you have to take these kids and finish raising them or our next stop is DHS and I can't take care of them anymore and that was that and Um, you heard this conversation yeah from a distance I didn't really understand at all what was happening I just knew that like everything was changing, you know. So my dad, he did what he knew to do, um, you know, living in a rehab. He didn't really have options. So he delivered us to the backside of nowhere where his mom lived to be able to try to 
make a life and figure out what he was going to do with these kids. So for a whole summer, we went and stayed with my grandmother, who was still deeply, deeply engaged in this religious cult. And so I had visited on little church buses and stuff, some different churches, didn't really have any concept of Jesus at that point. So this time with this grandmother really was like my earliest approach to the Bible and and that kind of thing. So we spent the summer with her and she just systematically went through Old Testament scripture and painted this picture of a terrifying God. And she would pull out scriptures that the sins of the fathers would carry down to the children for seven generations. And that there was just this weight of sin from my father being a drug addict and an alcoholic and a drunkard. And my mother was a whore and a harlot. And these were the people that were my parents and their sins would rest on my shoulders Mm. and just systematically went through scripture and honestly used it like a weapon. And I don't know that that was her intent to injure But without having any kind of biblical foundation about Christ or forgiveness or redemption or anything, what I heard was that there was a terrifying God that was waiting to crush me, not because of my own sin, even at that point, but because of theirs. So that was kind of my earliest exposure to the God of the Bible. Um, And I'm sure that produced a sense of hopelessness. Like, I can't even possibly get out of this situation. Yeah, I think I think it just led me to this place where I just felt terrified of whoever this God was, and I just wanted to hide from him. So that was kind of how that summer went. (laughs) And so dad came back. He had gotten a job as a traveling contractor, and he had picked out this little apartment for us that was across the street from the school and two blocks from a grocery store. So my brother and I actually went to live there. I was 11, and he was 9. My littlest sister actually went to live with my other grandmother because she was very young. She wasn't coping well. So we went to live in this little apartment, and and we stayed there, and we basically lived there alone for about a year. My dad would kind of check in on the weekends a little bit, bring us some grocery money, pay a bill or two. But things continued to get worse from there. He came less and less often. There was less and less grocery money. I developed a pretty significant eating disorder, mostly out of fear because I was always afraid that there was going to be this weekend that he didn't come home with grocery money. So I stopped eating so that my brother would have food. And it was mostly just based in fear. But during that time, that's where I really saw God show up for the first Mm -hmm. time in my life. I had a little friend that was in school and her parents didn't go to church either, but she rode a church bus to this little backcountry church. And we had this little Hispanic guy that would pick us up on our church bus faithfully every Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. So like I have this huge respect for bus ministry. Like there is just a special place, I think, in my heart for people that faithfully drive a bus because had it not been for Miguel, I don't know, you know, what that would have looked like for me. So I did find my way into a church. And for the first time, I really began to hear the gospel. I don't know that I really had the full understanding at the age of 11 at this point yet, but just really heard for the first time that there was a Jesus that died for sins and that he would take those sins instead of me, that those weren't on my shoulders, that they were on his shoulders. And all I knew is that if there was a Jesus that was offering salvation, like I wanted a piece of that. So I did pray a prayer of salvation at the age of 11. And I think that that was as real for me as it could have been at that Mm -hmm. phase. Um, And my brother's situation really began to spiral and got out of control. He developed some mental health stuff and and had a pretty significant breakdown where he was violent and suicidal. So some neighbors called the police in, DHS showed up, the cops showed up. I mean, it was kind of this big thing of um, where they contacted my grandmother and my mom and said, either you come get these kids or everybody's facing charges. Oh, wow. 
So we went home. We went back to my mom's house. And I think because of that year that we spent in that apartment, and in particular because of the walk that my brother had had, I just developed this real root of bitterness towards my parents. I just thought they have failed me and I don't need them anymore. So that actually launched me personally into a really dark time. Well, on the other side of the break, we're going to come back and spring is going to tell us about that dark time and then the journey out of that darkness to God's wonderful light. In just a moment, Andrea will return with a final thought. If you would like to hear more of her teachings, visit andrealennonministry.org. It is the ultimate website for the girl on the go with Bible studies, video sessions, podcasts, books, and down-to-earth blogs straight from Andrea's heart. Be sure and subscribe so that you can stay connected. Again, that's andrealennon.org. Now, let's hear a final truth from Andrea. So we're back with Spring Hunter and we're hearing this incredible story of her life and how it started really in a very dark, hard place of poverty and a cult. And and God is just continually plotting our redemption. We know that his goodness, his grace is always at work. And so Spring, on the other side of the break, we just talked about how you were in this really dark place, this really hard place. And it was actually about to take you even further away from the Lord and his plans for your life. Yeah, so coming back to live um, with my mother, like I said, I I just had this real root of bitterness that I think launched me into some pretty rough places. Um, My mom had decided to get remarried again shortly after I moved back into her house, and I just kind of had enough. So by this time, I was 13 years old, and I decided that I was done with parents, and I was done with following that lifestyle, and so I left. Um, I found some friends that were willing to take me in and You know, obviously that was not a good decision, but I moved out. I kind of just lived around with people that would take me in at the time, which unfortunately, most of the folks that were kind of willing to take me in, that was definitely not a good situation. So that threw me at a very young age into just kind of a, a, a group of people that exposed me to a lot. And I made a lot of bad choices being a part of that group. I began to drink. I began to experiment with drugs. I and bouncing around and just staying with whoever would take me in. I was in a lot of scary situations and dangerous situations where, you know, I I was exposed to men that would physically harm me. And it was just a really dark and scary time. And so when I was 14 years old, I met a young man that was considerably older than me, but he had had just a lot of the same life that I had had. And I felt like we really connected and he was older and he was out of school and had a job. And just really, you know, he told me that he loved me, he seemed to care about me, and he seemed like he had moved out of that lifestyle some. And so he invited me to come live with him. And so I did at 14 years old, went and lived with my boyfriend. And by the time I was 15, I became pregnant and we got married because that's what you do in the South. When you get pregnant, you get married. And um, so on my 16th birthday, I had I had my first child. Um you know, honestly, that was kind of the most stability that I had had. He had a job. I was going to GED classes. We had this baby. Um, and that was probably the most stable situation that I had been in maybe ever. And so it seemed like things were going in a better direction for us. Do you think during that time you were trying to create a sense of normalcy for yourself and for your child and for your family, that which maybe you never had growing up? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I I had this picture of what family was supposed to be like without a lot of real experience with that. And so I think we were just playing house. I mean, he was, I was 15, he was 19. We had a baby, you know, we were trying to make a life. But shortly after we had our daughter, 
meth came down in Johnson County just like a bomb. I mean, just all of a sudden, all the people that we had kind of drank and partied with and and dabbled and experimented with that were still our friends were suddenly using meth in a significant way. People were becoming addicted. And so we kind of got sucked into that world and, and started using drugs ourselves. And, you know, I was so thankful that his mother has just been just an answer to prayer that I don't think that we, we knew to pray at that time. She just had a real significant role in pulling our daughter out for a couple of days when she needed to pull our daughter out for a couple of days. But when we were doing well, we were very functional drug users. We held jobs. We went to school. We, you know, kind of had this double life for a long, long time. And so she kept our daughter safe from us when she needed to keep her safe from us and still allowed us to be parents and keep our kids. So I'm thankful for that time. But, you know, those few years were really scary. A lot of our friends became significantly addicted mm-hmm. to drugs. People were starting to commit suicide and they were starting to overdose. And one of the one of the big things for me um, in particular was one of our very best friends shot and murdered one of our other very best friends in connection with this big drug situation. And that was just like a wake up call. Yeah. For me personally, I was like, what is happening in our our circle? Like what is happening in our group of friends? And um, I will never forget the last time that I used meth personally. Um, our normal drug dealer was not around or something happened that prevented us from going that direction. And so we had gone to a club that night and um, just found some guy that we didn't know, never met before, never met again, that sold us some drugs. and. It was poison. It mm. was just what they call a bad batch, I guess. And I laid in my bathroom floor and was so sick and felt like I couldn't move and felt like my heart was going to explode. And like my mind was fully functional, but my body just felt like it was dying. And I just remember laying in that bathroom floor and thinking, this is how you're going to die? Like your daughter's going to find you in your bathroom, overdosed, like you died of meth. And it was just terrifying to me. I think I laid there for a couple of days. I don't know, just sick, sick, sick. And um, when I came out of that, I was like, okay, something has to change. And I know God was protecting your life in that moment, literally keeping you alive so that you could get to this transformation moment that's Mm -hmm. on the way. All I knew at that time was that like, I remembered God is the only way I know how to how to put that. It wasn't that I felt close to him or that I even really knew like what the next step was. I just remembered that there was God. Mm. And so um, my husband's boss actually was just this amazing guy that was just the most real Christian that I knew at the time. And he invited us into church. And I can look back now and just like point out people that God just brought into our lives to intervene. My boss, my husband's boss, just all these different people that just kind of stepped in and spoke truth and discipled and mentored and just called me up and called me out and said, you don't have to do this. Um, And so I did end up going to a little Bible study group and heard for the first time what I would say is the full and complete gospel Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ, like the whole story. And for the first time, I mean, I just felt like the scales came off my eyes and this was it. And I gave my whole life to Christ. And I mean, my like redemption story really begins there where I just say, like, God, if you don't take this mess and totally radically transform it and the old person is dead and you raise up a new person, like, I don't I don't know how to move forward from here. Now, when you went into that Bible study, were you so ready or were you embarrassed, ashamed? 
can you remember how did you feel in that moment you know so i had been like trying out churches for a little while and you know hadn't really found i guess what i was looking for but when i went into that bible study I think I was just at this place where I was going to be brutally honest. I was going to go in there and and almost like rude at that point of just like, this is who I am. This is where I've been. Here's all my sin. Love me or hate me. This is spring. Right, right, right. And they loved me and they spoke the gospel to me. And so I will say that my being brought into a relationship with Christ put a wedge into my marriage. The closer I got to Jesus, the further I got from, you know, you take two people and and one person repents and turns around and walks in a totally different direction and the other one walks in the opposite direction. And so I did end up losing my marriage over over my relationship with Christ. I mean, honestly, I think so. But God had a plan in that and even even used just the whole story to bring me into ministry. And when he says he can redeem a life, he can redeem a life. So you started going to church and what happened next? Um, You know, so God just continued to bring people into my life. I ended up at the First Baptist Church in Clarksville, Arkansas. And um, there was just this amazing team of um, pastors and leadership there that really just spoke into me and saw things in me. I think that that no one had ever spoken over me before. And so they gave me opportunities to just kind of step in and lead with like youth Bible studies in particular. Um, There was just a wild group of girls that year and they were just like, you are the one that can minister (laughs) to these girls, you know? (laughs) And so I loved it. You know, I loved it. And, um, you know, I was a part of these amazing women's studies that were led by some of, I mean, just these pillars of faith that just spoke truth. And there was such rapid growth in that. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, I still struggled with with addiction for a couple of years after after giving my life to Christ. And, you know, I, I hear people talk and share about how they, you know, they pray to prayer of salvation and they never struggled with addiction again. Um, that's actually not my testimony. I, you know, walked away from drugs first, but the alcoholism was still a significant problem for me. But I do I do share this because it's such an important piece, I think, of my story that God as a part of that radical transformation God began to put his finger on my relationship with my parents and specifically this area of forgiveness. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. He's forgiven you and you have to forgive. And so he just began chiseling away at that. And and for me, um, at first, I didn't want to forgive my parents. Like that was kind of the spot that I was like hanging on to. You know, because I felt like if I forgave them, that what I was really saying is what they did and what they chose was okay or that it was right. And that's not what scripture says. It doesn't say what that person did to you was okay or right or permissible. It just says forgive them. So um, for me, I began to pray that God would just give me a heart to forgive my parents and that he would show me their story. And he did. He began showing me like my mom's backstory and some of the abuse that she had endured and some of the things that she had gone through. And I began to understand more about my father's past and some of the things that led him down the path. And really the difference between my parents and their story and my own story was that I had found Jesus and they didn't. Jesus was the difference between me living my life in victory and them living their life under condemnation. And so when God began to opened my eyes to that and I finally was able to forgive them man that addiction was just gone I mean it was just gone and so somehow I think there was just a spiritual tie between unforgiveness and this root of bitterness and being free like really being free for me that's such a picture of the gospel whenever we 
trust Christ and the forgiveness that he provides through the cross, it is our spiritual freedom. And then when we extend that forgiveness to the person around us, the person who has hurt us the most, there's a freedom that not only comes into our life, but it positions us to be able to experience that full, free, abundant life that Christ has for us. And we're going to come back next week and you're going to continue to hear about Spring and her incredible story of transformation. This is just the beginning. Thank you, Spring, so much for coming and being with us today. And we can't wait to hear the rest of your story. Thank you so much, Andrea, for having me. I'm really excited to share and just see what God does with the gospel and just a testimony of of just that. This episode of Inspire On The Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth On The Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.